The world as you know it has ended. The other worlds as you didn't know them are waiting with open arms. Welcome to Durgans and Dargans. I'm your dungeon master, Ben. We are a D&D podcast for the whole family, so long as your whole family is into intense, bloody adventures. We take Dungeons and Dragons seriously, but we're not about to teach your six-year-old any unfortunate vocabulary words. Joining me today is Charles. I'm Charles. And you play? Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) In that Dungeons and Dragons game... I play Runal Surname, the human wizard extraordinaire. And then we have Aaron. Hey, I'm Aaron. I'm playing uh, Darren Buccaneer, the Minotaur Sorcerer. And then we have Matt. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Matt. I'm playing Jet Gnome Fighter. At this point, our podcast has been posted for the world to hear. Uh, thank you all for sticking with us for an entire six episodes and through the recent evolution of this podcast from one form into another i actually fun fact have already had the podcast sent to me as a podcast recommendation from a friend of mine uh so shout out to stevie paris for for letting me know (laughs) i i had asked the world to send me more podcast recommendations and uh he sent me a link to durgans and dargans i was like that oh my god honestly sounds great i might i might check it out (laughs) Oh, oh, that's good. I did want to reassure some of our listeners that um, we are not about to make this a completely science fiction podcast. If you are listening because it's a D&D podcast, it's still going to be D&D. Um, this is just kind of shifting from more of a purely Lord of the Rings style world to more of like a Discworld style world. Yeah. So like Lord of the Rings, but with things like mindless bureaucracy, petty squabbles, and insurance fraud. Um, so yeah, we're still playing D&D. This is, we're not like changing the game base to some, I mean, it is some kind of wacky homebrew, but it's not a sci-fi wacky homebrew. Still going to be D&D. Let's play some Dungeons and Dragons. So, you guys were all uh, led to your rooms in Professor Absentine's uh, large laboratory complex by Roderick Stockenberg, uh, who bids you good night, and then left to get some catch some sleep himself because he had his own mission in the morning. Uh, you guys each have a good long rest in uh, your own rooms in this three-room suite that you have been led to. There's a, Each of you has your own room, and then there's like a common area with a little kitchen and a couch, and um, there's no TV, so the couch just kind of looks at a blank wall. You guys get a good, rich, lovely night of sleep. The beds are comfortable but not ostentatious, and you wake up in the morning each having your own thoughts about the events, the dramatic events of the last couple of days. So real quick, before we get into rolling dice itself, where are each of you? How are you guys feeling? What are you guys thinking about the fact that your world was just removed? I mean, Runel is, 
very confused. Uh, this has been, um, his, his whole life has been devoted to studying the world around him. So for that world to not be there anymore, um, it's kind of unsettling, uh, but also sort of exciting that there's now so many more worlds for him to explore. Uh, so I think he's, Runel is in like sort of a recalibration state of, um, how does he take his MO of studying the world and now apply that to hundreds of worlds? At what point does Runel realize that he no longer has any student debt? Um, well, that hasn't hit him yet. Um, fortunately, he thinks of his family first. Because um, he did have a family. Um, I don't know if we have, at this point, gone into our backstories in any depth. Um, Runel, Runel did have an older brother um, who he had lost. So he, he's not completely new to mourning a family. Um, yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't so much that Runel had debt. It was that his uh, current funding had run out. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't like he was working to alleviate past debts. It was in order to continue his work, he needs some dollar-dollar bills. Um, yeah, so so the the fact that he's in a new place, that doesn't really phase him as much. Um, okay. Um, so let's, let's do the rest of this in character. Let's say that each of you emerges from your rooms into this uh, brightly lit common room, and all of you are in just a little bit of a daze, uh, given what has happened. Yeah, talk amongst yourselves. Like, what's what's going on? How are you guys going to interact with each other about these momentous occasions? Real quick, though, we're level four, right? You are level four, rested, in a little bit of a shock, and now... Uh, staring at one another, these friends that you have had for a relatively brief time in the span of your lives, but now the only ones that you know from the survival of your universe. How are you guys feeling about all this? Because honestly, I don't quite know how I should be feeling. I'm amazed, excited, and devastated all at the same time. And you, you friends are the probably the only people in the world I can talk to about this. Like, what do, what do we do now? Grabs his flagon of juice, says that's a great question, and just starts chugging. There is a magical ice box there, and it has uh, you know a flagon of orange juice, and there are uh, there are tankards around for you to drink the orange juice. There's like um you know, there's a loaf of bread that has been left out for you with some you know some hard cheese good hearty breakfast that i am i am consuming the cheese not nonchalantly well i can't say this is the first time my world has seen entirely turned upside down but i'm just thinking of the broader implications of this new world between worlds i'm not entirely sure what to think you guys are having this deep contemplative conversation and Jen has literally just grabbed half the fridge and is just crying. He's just like, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> oh, so he's like, he's like yeah, there's like out. some, there's some cold pheasant in there. There's some like, like maybe the previous occupant left some yogurt in there or something. And it's like still probably good, but you don't know. Uh, and yeah, you're just wolfing it all down. Um, at this point, you're contemplative conversation is interrupted 
by a knock on the door, and a voice that says, "Hello, my friends. The professor would like your assistance in his laboratory." Feasted enough, Jet? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh dear. I- I'm ready to go. All right, Runel, Jet. If I must carry you, I must. Hold me. <laughs> Okay, pardon me. Uh, <laughs> as, as we walk over there, Jet slowly composes himself. Gets his tough guy exterior back on. Yeah, yeah um, you got this. You open the door, and in front of you, there is uh, an automaton. There is, you know, they they have a, uh, a kind of like a vaguely head-shaped ball on top, a little neck, a torso. And then below that, there's this giant spinning wheel that it uses to move itself around. And from it comes the voice. Hello, I have been sent by the professor to bring you to him for your first day of work. Follow me, please. Uh, and it takes off down the hall. I follow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, I, I guess I follow this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we should follow. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I it, guess so. I mean, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, DM, hey, DM I at, walk at in the of, exact yeah. opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you you step on an electrified plate in the ground and die instantly. There it is. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> the robot takes off down the hall. I'm sorry, the automaton takes off down the hall, and you guys follow. He leads you down a couple different passageways. This complex is not that convoluted or uh, labyrinthine. Brings you to the professor's main office uh, where you first met him. And he says to the professor, hello, I have brought the new employees. And the professor says, oh, yes, well, thank you. Thank you, thank you for that. Um, ah, yes, my my, my new friends. Uh, well, em- employees, it's, it's important to, you know, respect boundaries in uh, an employment position. Uh, I first, uh, before I begin to send you out on the various tasks uh, for which you will be, at which you will be employed, I uh, would like to uh, put you through your paces, as it were. I would like to get a feel for, hmm, how you do... In the package retrieval business, uh, and in in various ways, you will be retrieving packages, whether it be a, a person or an item or a resource, and you will be returning it to me here in the junction. So uh, I am going to put you through some scientific tests uh, to see how well you retrieve a package. Do you feel that you are ready? I... I'm a little confused. Um, like, I understand we just got here, I understand you don't know us, but I have a PhD, and you're putting us in the mailroom? Oh no! You will be in acquisitions! I will send you out to various universes and even parts of the junction, and uh, you will retrieve things for me. Hmm. It will require brains as well as brawn, so please do not feel that your resources will be wasted. I mean, if that's how you feel is the best use of our skills, um, I, 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 I suppose that we, we might agree to that. Are you just saying you're too high for this type of position? I'm just surprised is all. I would think that 
an establishment like yours would already have uh, internal logistics set up. Um, I mean, after the walk here and the shady things we had to pass, I'm not sure this person, per se, has the most legal packages. He, he looks at you with a shrewd look on his face. He says, ah, uh, exactly. I am, I am given, uh, shall we say, some leeway from the various authorities and bureaucracies of the junction to conduct my research as I see fit uh, to an extent uh, so long as um, I don't get in anybody's way. Uh, I suppose you could say that some of the work that I do is clandestine. Uh, off the books, as it were. Hmm. So, you, this is most likely going to be life-risking work. At times it will be. Ah, uh, yes. You know, to, uh, you can't make a scientific omelette without cracking a few non-scientific eggs. Though, I do hope that you will do more of the cracking than the being cracked. But that's why I'm trying to put you through your paces, to see what challenges I can send you to uh, without risking your life and limbs too much. All right, well, obviously we have a lot to learn about. I mean, okay, let's crack some eggs. I love your spirit. Great. Follow me, I will bring you to the testing chambers. Uh, and he leads you down a short hallway and uh, through an intersection and to a uh, large, bright white door uh, that he unlocks with a key and uh, guides you into and says, Ah, this room is uh, magical. It will reform itself to, a, to create a... Uh, specialized testing environment and it will uh, well I will get to see how well you interact in different scientific testing scenarios uh, you will be guided through you, you will be guided through the tests by my uh, automated testing system Doskla Doskla Please introduce yourselves to the test subjects. Hello, test subjects. Welcome to the testing scenario. Please get ready. All right, I'll leave you to it. And he he shuts the door behind you and you hear the lock click. Uh, You are in a large, uh, mostly white room. There is a kind of like black, shiny floor, stone floor beneath you. Uh, the walls are white. The ceiling is white. And it seems to be a very, very large room. You can't quite, uh, because it's sort of monochromatic, you can't quite get a feel for how large it is. Um, but even as you're looking at it, it seems to expand. And up from the center of the room, there emerges a tower of stone. It's about say 75 feet high and on top of that tower there appears a box uh just kind of like a standard you know wooden box and the automated system says to you hello test subjects the first test of today will be to retrieve the box from the top of the tower and bring it safely back to the ground what we just get it yes you must get the box bring it safely from the top of the tower to the bottom of the ground 
feel like this shouldn't be that difficult. You may not break the box. You may not become deceased. Deceased? If you become deceased, you will fail the test. Jet just walks up to the door. It's the not. A, it's just a like a monolith. It's not a. It's not a tower with a door in it and stairs going up for it. There's just like this tower of fairly craggy rock. Jet turns it's, back it's, and says, "If unless you have any other other ideas, I'm going. I'm climbing. If all else fails, I do have Featherfall prepared. I have a plan. Jet, if you, you know, get tall again." not really sure how you did that, but if you get tall again, and you are able to throw me within 35 feet, so you just have to get me up 40 feet from the from the ground. If you're able to do that, I can use Misty Step and teleport to the top of the tower, to the parcel, because I can see it. And if that's the case, then I can jump off, and then when I'm within 60 feet of the ground, Runel can cast Featherfall, and I can land safely. Though, I'm not sure. You'll have to find a way to throw me up that high. <sighs> I get to throw you? This one time, yes. Let's do it. And it gets smashes his fists together and, and activates his giant might. Giant's might, which has become eight feet tall. Wait, wait, you only get to eight feet tall? He starts out as a gnome. This might not work the best. <laughs> you also get advantage on athletics checks, right? Okay. Yes. Let's see how this goes. But still, you're you're tossing a, if I remember correctly, like, 300-pound Minotaur, because I'm not a tiny dude. You're tossing him, trying to get him up 40 feet. If it's a 75-foot tall tower, I can go... Or no, it's 75. You have to throw me up 45 feet. Bruno, can you make him smaller? I don't think we have something for that. Okay, too late. I'm throwing him. (laughs) Okay. Yes, make an athletics check, please. Oh, good God. <laughs> I have an intelligence of four. I know what I'm doing. Four? And I got 17? Oh, yeah, with, with a 17, you are able to throw... Darren, Darren, what do you weigh? I weigh 300 pounds. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm like a six-foot-tall minotaur. I'm not light. <laughs> okay, with... With a 17, you are able to throw him, I want to say a good 30 feet into the air. Uh, that's That's like you, you did pretty well. Like you, you like grabbed him, did a full on like squat thrust, uh, Olympic lift him right into the air and his, his arms get 30 feet up. So he probably went about like 20 feet. Uh, do me a favor, Darren. Make your own athletics check to see if you can grab onto the side of this um, tower of stone. Uh, you said athletics check? Okay, that's a 14. You manage to grab onto the side of the monolith and hang there. Um, you are not falling, but you are now gripping uh, bits of jagged stone on the side of this stone tower. Brutal! I forgot to ask! How long does Featherfall last? Great question. <laughs> it lasts for a minute. You didn't even cast it on him I yet. I didn't cast it yet. I was going to wait till you were actually falling. I know, because I want to see like when we can cast it, because I don't want to cast it too early, and I don't want to cast it too late. You could climb. That's, that's always been an option. 
arguably the option that Ben was expecting us to take. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be honest, I thought this first one was kind of basic, but alright. How far is he from the top now? Uh, if I went up 30 feet, I am 45 feet from the top. If I use Misty Step now, which would you allow me to cast Misty Step while holding on to the thing? Is that all it takes? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's it all it takes is verbal components, not. Um, so you're going to climb. You're going to misty step to sixty feet. Another and then climb fifty. Just a quick side note: I love spells that only have a verbal component. Like, I like that you just shout misty step and then you're and then, doing it. <laughs> exactly. I declare misty step. <laughs> can't just declare like. Can't just say misty stuff. Yeah. Works. Expect anything to happen. Yeah, I didn't say it. I declared it. <laughs> but like, even like the somatic spells, like I shout it, but I also do the macarena. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so, Darren, I will let you misty step up, but you will make another athletics check to grab on to the tower again after you've misty stepped. I'm down for that. Feet okay. I rolled a dirty 20 on my athletics check. Excellent. Okay, so you missy step 30 feet up. Yep. And you grab easily onto the side of the yes. tower. Yes, I do. And now make I... one more athletics check. You're doing a lot of these to climb up to the top. And that was a 13. Uh, okay. Okay. You... Uh, you start scrabbling up, and you make it about halfway to the top. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say a 13 in uh, other terms is a mixed success. You almost slipped, and you had a, a heart pounding minute where you almost went down, but you did not make it to the top with a 13. Make one more athletics check. All right, here we go again. One more. That is a 17. There we go. I should make it up on the top. Okay, you make you make it to the top. You are now on top of the tower. There is this it's a wooden box. It's painted white. It may or may not have a pink heart painted on the side of it. <laughs> um, uh, you now are on top of it with this box. Are we enacting the rest of the plan? If so, describe it. Rudel! Get ready to cast! I've been ready this whole time. And right as I say that, I count to three. One, two, three! And then I just jump off the edge. I cast Featherfall. You float to the ground. Yeah, the box is only like 15 pounds. Uh, not super heavy. You uh, get to the bottom safely. Whew. You place the box on the ground and the disembodied voice says, well done. You have passed the first test. You are now ready for the second test. Prepare yourselves. All of a sudden, the room shifts dramatically. The tower collapses back into the floor, and the side of the room that you are on seems to shoot high up into the air, even as the ceiling extends even further than that. And at the same time, the other side of the room also shoots high into the air with a large chasm in the middle of it. It is about maybe 50 feet across, uh, the walls are once again kind of jagged stone. This is not a smooth wall. Uh, and on either side are 
uh, several rocks, um, several large-sized boulders uh, scattered throughout either side that seem to have emerged up from the floor. Um, on the far side of the room is another crate. The crate that you just grabbed has mysteriously disappeared. There is now a new crate on the far side of the room, once again painted white with a little pink heart on the side of it. Uh, and the disembodied voice says, The new test is to retrieve the package from the other side of the chasm and bring it back to your side of the chasm. Good luck. I can kind of see what you were saying, Runo, about this not being very dignified. Dropping the package in the chasm will result in failure of the test. Dropping yourselves in the chasm will result in failure of the test. All I can say is at least this uh, this AI doesn't seem to be homicidal. Ben, I finally played Portal 2. <laughs> Just throw that out there. Oh, uh, thank God. I, I'm glad somebody's getting the reference. Yeah. Do not look into the operational end of the device. <laughs> <laughs> I've been chuckling. Yeah, just wait for, if, if a J.K. Simmons character shows up, then uh, I'll, I'll be on to <laughs> They told me to stop making these pre-recorded messages, and you know what? I, no, 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 that's, that's almost direct. Your next test, bring me pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hadn't made up my mind that there was going to be some kind of Spider-Man in this universe, but now I'm entertaining the idea. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, we're in a multiverse thing. There has to be at least a billion Spider-Man. All right, so we gotta cross a we gotta cross a chasm, fellas. If this has taken longer than a minute, then Jed has shrunk yes, down. Yes, Jed has shrunk down at, at, at this point. And also, you fall, you die. Fun. Uh, and how 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 long is the chasm again? The chasm's about fifty feet across. Fifty. 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 Interesting. And the uh, it, yeah, it seems to be very very deep, like maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty feet. And, uh, about how heavy is this package? Uh, the package is, like, 15 to 20 pounds. And, I guess, about how long do we have to complete this task? Uh, you were not given a time limit. Because someone could cast Unseen Servant, per se, and just go grab the package. Someone could. That that someone would probably have to cast as a ritual, though, because they don't have that spell prepared. Mm. How is he going to get and across? We we well, how how much weight did we agree that the unseen servant can lift? Just, well, just he's normal got the, he's, person weight. So here's I'll give you the spell description. Um, it's a medium force, so I'm assuming he can levitate. He's incorporeal. Uh, we, yeah, we did, we did so, discuss this. Um, what did you name him again? Pudgy. Pudgy, yeah. So we, we did establish that Pudgy could lift a bucket and a paintbrush. True. I think we might need to... I think we might need to retcon this a little bit. We can say that Pudgy performed some absolutely phenomenal athletics checks and climbed the wall of City Hall to paint the Hodelays Must Die on the side of it. But if I can just give you telekinesis, unlimited telekinesis, in the form of ritual casting Unseen Servant, I feel like that's overpowered. Hmm. All right. All right. So All right. let's say that you can cast this Unseen Servant and... I guess you could make arcana checks 
to see if the servant can like climb down the chasm and climb up the other side of the chasm, but I'm gonna say you can't just levitate it. How deep is the chasm? About 100 to 150 feet. Pudgy's range is only 60 feet, so uh, okay. that wouldn't work. I was, uh, part of me was thinking of throwing. I mean, he uh, he is tiny you know, now, so he having him live, easier live to throw. up to his name, throwing across. I like that our solutions are just very consistent. Jet? Yes. Can we just throw each other? You have to toss me. I cannot make the jump. You hurl at each me. other. <laughs> it would be a little karmic for uh, Darren to throw Jet after Jet threw Darren. Yeah, it might be. It, it, it could be. doesn't say anything else. He just silently opens his backpack and pulls out a piece of rope. Oh, yeah. We've... We forgot about rope. <laughs> I feel like these challenges, we forgot about just climbing the wall. We forgot about just yeah. rope. So what are you what are, what are you thinking, Jet? We just we just lasso the package across and yank it to us. This is why I love playing Dungeons and Dragons with engineers. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. It's going to be the most complicated solution. <laughs> is there anything on the opposite side that you think we can? I told you there's a bunch of boulders over there. Okay, Jet would like to create a um, a loop on the end of his rope that might be able to fit around one of those boulders, and then he will then he will pose to his friends, "Hey, hey, I could okay. lasso one of the rocks to grab onto it, but I don't have enough rope to get it across. So maybe uh, I don't know, somebody could throw him. I got fifty feet. Oh, so you have just about the distance, right? But I can't wrap it around the rock." Do that. I don't have an Darren, do you have any rope? What I, I have a Dungeoneer's pack, which I'm going to assume has rope. So if we tie my piece of rope... Well, hold on. Jet's piece of rope. Hold on. And I throw Again. Jet. <laughs> we're, we're overcomplicating things. <laughs> we tie the two ropes together. Yes. <laughs> That's a hundred feet of rope. We throw the... We make a loop in the rope. We throw the loop over and try and lasso the package and yank the package across. The package will fall and we'll get smashed. What if we lassoed the rope onto the boulders? Yes, that's what I said. And our tiny man kind of army crawls underneath the rope rather than throwing another person. Okay. He threw me with with a rather large amount of excitement. I'd like to uh, get back at him at some point. But sure, we can can go with the, the lassoing. Do we have anything we could make a grappling hook from? I do. Yeah, you have a grappling hook. <laughs> we established that. We established that in the oh. in the. Um, oh uh, yeah, of course, sure. City Hall episode. Yeah, I I know that. Yeah, you know that large. <laughs> sure. You know that large part of your character sheet that no one ever reads. Uh, that's called your inventory. Um, let, let's for the rest of the challenges, everyone check that first. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, nobody has a portal gun in their inventory. Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. I will say, I have a I have a casino universe amulet that I have no idea what that's from. Uh, wait, what? Oh, yeah, no, you guys were all given amulets that identify you as members of individual universes. I have um, the barbarian one, so right? So, like, that's, that's for general... It's, it's like having a driver's license, you know, if some bureaucrat or law enforcement person says, like, you know, registration, please... Anyway, I re- I tie I tie so we're the, the grappling hook. The, I, 
the grappling hook to the end of my piece of rope, tie it to Darren's rope so we have 100 feet of rope, roughly, with knots, and then I throw it over there and do my best to get it to cling to the okay. other side and then make it taut so that I can climb over. Uh, make a DC 10 dexterity check. Okay. Or, um, yeah, we'll call it dexterity check. Ooh, um, nope, that's a big ol' three. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, alright, so continue with your plan, please. Wait, so what succeeded and what didn't? Did I throw just the thing? Just continue with the plan. Oh, yeah. In fact, you know, I'm not gonna make you do it. You just keep throwing the, uh, you keep throwing the grappling hook until it catches. That's not, I mean, I'm not just gonna sit here and make you roll dexterity checks over and over again. So, wait a minute. So the you roll just I just made was, I threw it, and then it clung, and, but I failed to check, so question mark. Yeah, so question right? mark. Just okay. continue with the plan, you know? It, it, it's latched. Okay. And I... Then once it's latched, then I um, attach the rope to a boulder that's on our side to make it talk. Okay. Okay. Uh, just as Astronaut, could you do some more of your bibbly boppily stuff so I don't die? As soon as you start falling, I'm, I have my wand at the ready to cast feather. <laughs> okay. So then Jets sets our army crawl upside down, down the rope, whatever, to get across. And he makes it across without incident. You gotta be quicker, Ben. I called it. <laughs> oh! Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yes, that's right, because you are the dungeon master. Uh, so, Jet, with the roll that I just made, you make it to the second half of this rope spanning across the chasm before the knot comes undone. Your dexterity check was for tying the knot. So wait, he made it to the second rope though, right? You made it to the second rope, the knot comes undone, you swing down Tarzan style, and you uh, as smack as into the falling, I cast wall on the far side of the chasm. Well, if he's smacking into the side of the chasm, he's still taking no damage. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so you cast Featherfall, he uh, lightly smacks into the side of it, but you can make an athletics check with advantage to get to, because you're holding onto the rope, to get to the top of the far side of the chasm. Sure, I'll take free advantage. Okay, that's not great, but I am... Oh wait, advantage. That was the same number. Uh, but yes. that, it's okay, It's because I am very athletic, so that's the cell yeah, 17. You make, you make it to the top. You make it to the top, you are now on the far side of the chasm. The box is like, you know, 15 feet away from the edge of the chasm, and there is a rope tied to either side of the chasm, but not connecting in the middle. So I, I walk up there and hold the package, and I yell over, Now what, geniuses? Oh wait, this is my <laughs> fault. Yes, this this was your plan! Um, so, if we... If he throws the grappling hook to this side with the rope, like not trying to latch it on, but throws it over here, then we throw it back. Like then we tie the ropes again, and then we throw it back over well, to him. What I'm thinking is up. he could pull the rope up to his side, firmly secure it on the far side, throw the grappling hook to our side, now we're over here. We can also firmly secure the rope. How do we tie it in the middle? Oh, I see. So the rope, the rope is tied yeah, off still on both ends. Yeah, the rope doesn't reach all the way across at this point without being tied in the middle, and that knot is had, came undone. Hmm. 
Jet pulls out a gold piece and then just drops it over the edge to see if you can hear it clink at the bottom, as if the bottom is solid. We can see the bottom. It's it's 100 feet, right? Jet, the grappling hook is attached to a boulder on your side of the chasm. What if you climb down to the very end of the rope and you still have Featherfall? I then cast Magic Missile onto the boulder to to explode that rock or whatever, make the grappling hook free. You and the grappling hook would then fall to the bottom of the chasm. You could then use the grappling hook, throw it up, hopefully attach it to somewhere in the middle of the chasm, climb over to the second rope, and climb out of the chasm. I can just take the gra- pick up the grappling hook and just jump. You would be falling 100 feet at that point. And Featherfall only works up to 60 feet fall. Really? Yeah. After 100 feet, you start taking damage again. Or after after 60 huh. feet, you start I taking just, damage. I just found a gap in two of the podcasts that I've listened to. <laughs> wrong. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Everybody's I don't know if you different. were aware, Ben, but all of this is made up. Whoa. You're wrinkling my brain, dude. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um... Jet's attention span has run out, and he's just going to do what he feels right and grab the grappling hook in his hands with all the rope and just jump with Featherfall active. So, well, I assume since I I did a running start and ran forward, that way I've got a horizontal velocity taking me across. Are you hoping to get across to the point where you can grab the other rope? I'm going to go as far as I can possibly get. Although Matt knows that there's no way that he's gonna that he will Jet will be able to get to the other side. So he's just kind of hoping for the best, and then hopefully maybe someone will cast Featherfall on him again. Because otherwise he's falling. Uh, once Featherfall runs out, he's falling to uh, straight down with the box in in the other hand. I should have said. That. Uh, so here's <laughs> what I'm gonna say. Uh, do me a favor, make an athletics check for the jump. Okay, you have the box in one hand. Well, we do have to realize this is like a 15-pound box. How big is this box? Because it is a gnome it's, holy thing. I mean, it's like, only about like, you know, like two feet by two feet. So it's, it's sizable, but not huge. Wait, Ben, that, ben, that was only two dimensions. It's, oh, is yeah. it a square? It's a two feet by two feet square. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's a it's a, um, it's a plane. There it is. You're playing with engineers, man. Cube. I've been trying to avoid the word cube. Yeah, we we, <laughs> uh, but Jet, you're you're what three feet tall? You're two feet tall. This box is your height. You're hold you you'd have to be you, holding. You this can hold hand. a rope in like your pocket of your arm or under your armpit. Yeah, you, no, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying that. Yes. But, like you are basically the size of this box, and so like, okay, okay. <laughs> I am. I, I like this I, plan. I, but, I, oh, okay. uh, oh, sorry. I roll. I rolled fourteen. Yeah, it's not going to do so anything. Small. You're not making yourself larger for this. Too late, okay, I jumped. Right. Uh, so you rolled a 15, 14. Okay. With a 14, you jump across. And with Featherfall still active, you're not falling particularly quickly. So your momentum is actually carrying you across the chasm in a downward direction. Uh, make a... DC 16 dexterity check to see if you can grab the end of the rope that's hanging down on the far side because you're gonna you're gonna run into the far side let's see if you can grab the, the rope that's hanging like 40 feet down if he if he misses I shout 
Use the grappling hook. Stab it in the side of the wall. I was surprised you even allowed me to get all the way to the other side, but sure. Well, it is 50 foot, and you're going down 100 foot. Like, it's a 50 foot across. You're basically going... Right, the, the acceleration of gravity is much okay. lower. Yeah, so so as opposed to, like, a parabolic path... Okay. It's lessened it, it's on your much physical wider. body as of right okay. now. It'd be like it would be like one half squared instead okay. of an x squared. Okay, I rolled a thirteen. Ah! You do not grab the rope. You are now falling. You you s- smack into the wall on the far side gently because a feather fall, but you smack into the wall on the far side and you are now falling along that wall down to the bottom. I try and grab the stab the grappling hook into the wall. To uh, slow okay, my fall. make an athletics check. I'm rolling this so terribly today, but that uh. Okay, that, that's a that's a nineteen. Oh yeah, a nineteen. Okay, you you smack it into the wall and you actually stop falling. So you're about fifty feet down. You're about you're about halfway down this cliff face, um, hanging from the grappling hook, using it as like a climbing pen, uh, with the box in one hand, the grappling hook in the other. You're just dangling. Right How now. far is he from the bottom of the rope? Uh, yeah, you're only about 10 feet from the bottom of the rope. And I have a- holding a box that's as big as me. Holding a box in one hand that's as big as you, with the other- You're a pretty strong gnome. Like, you are- you have spent your entire life trying to be strong to, like, reject your gnomish heritage. So you're a beefy gnome. Um. Darren, how tall are you? Me? Yeah. Again, 6'9". Six nine. Okay. Yes. Would if if Darren, if you climb to the bottom of the rope and hang on, and then I climb to the bottom of you and hang on to your legs, we could then connect the ro- the, the you know can make a connection to where Jet is. Jet could climb up me to it the top. Sounds like a princess climb up like you, and then cliffs you of insanity situation. <laughs> Inconceivable. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Go for it. Because <clears throat> Jed, Jed is stuck. <laughs> he can't climb with one hand with a one with one hand full. I love so how. Okay, it's just I, I'm gonna be a good. I don't know, bad DM, good DM. I'm gonna be a kind DM here for a moment. I love the part of this plan where you guys are not attaching yourself to the top of the rope. You're going down to the bottom of the rope and hanging on from that to lengthen the rope. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. Does that cha- do you do you want to change your plan at all after I said that? Okay. So here's here's what I think we do. Uh, we untie the rope on our end. Um, we tie it around my waist. Darren, you lower me down. I grab the mm-hmm. package, and we come up, and then we lower me back down again, and I grab Jet and the grappling hook. I, I can get behind that. What are we rolling? So at this point, we are relying on. Darren to make some great athletics checks. Darren, make an athletics check to lower Runel down. We're going to say that after the first knot fiasco, you guys learn to check your knots. You tie a good knot this time. Runel is not about to fall to his death. Um, Darren, make an athletics check to lower Runel down. Here we go. Well, that's a six. Um. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, 
Rudel cast Featherfall. Okay, that's fair. I will let you make an athletics check if you also want to uh, but grab not on the side down. of the chasm. Or if you just want to cast Featherfall and end up at the bottom of the chasm. No, I'm going to try. I'm going to make the athletics check first. First, I'm okay. going to try and grab it, which... Okay. I don't know if you know this, guys. Rudel's not that athletic. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, he okay. rolled two. You cast Featherfall. Oh, yeah, he for sure cast Featherfall. Okay, at this point, Darren, you're at the top. Jet, you're in the middle with... Jet, you're in the middle with half of the... With half of the rope, which is connected to the grappling hook, which is hanging down to the bottom. The grapp- it, You're mm-hmm. 50 feet up. The, the rope is hanging down to the bottom. Um, Runel, you're at the bottom with the other half of the rope, uh, which I'm going to also say has a grappling hook on one end of it because Jet, you know, Jet and Darren had the same pack. And so there's going to be a grappling hook at the end of it. Um, so you're at the bottom with a rope of the grappling hook next to the rope that's dangling down with the grappling hook that is firmly connected to uh, the wall, which Jet is hanging onto the top of. Jet can just Jet could just become large, use the advantage on athletics, and climb to the top. And then if he gets to the top with the package, the simulation okay, Jet, over. you become large. At this point, you would be able to, like, at, at eight feet with the, the two-foot thing, you'd be able to, like, stuff the um, the box in your shirt, the crate. So you can just kind of stuff the crate in your shirt and make an, an athletics check with advantage. There we go, 25. You climb to the top easily. You get to the top. You take the package out. You place it on the ground. And all of a sudden, the room shifts around again. The bottom of the chasm rises. The top of the chasm, uh, the top of the cliff lowers. And all of a sudden, boom, the crate disappears. And you are in a flat room again. Runel, you and everybody else are just standing next to each other at this point. Well, that worked. We couldn't have thought of that before I jumped to the bottom. Perhaps. But I think it was a little bit more exciting. We spent we spent how long just playing you, the tutorial baby. the portal? <laughs> uh, probably about the same length that all of us played the tutorial for Portal for the first time. Yes. It did take me quite a while to actually beat that level so, first. No shame. No shame. Okay, at this point, the room goes dark. You hear some clanking and clattering sounds. It's a large stream of blue and orange goo. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, at the far end of the room, which all of a sudden seems a lot longer than it used to be, there is now a fire on the floor of the room illuminating a group of five figures that are standing around it and you can see in the flickering firelight, uh, on the far side of that fire, there is a... We're not saying cube. There's a crate. There's a white crate. How big is the fire? Is is the... Is, these individuals seem, like, behind the flame, do they seem to look somewhat like robed cult, cultist uh, individuals? No, they seem to be fairly uh, generic-looking humanoid figures without any identifying markers. Oh, um, okay. They are they are wearing uh, armor that looks like it's costume armor, like it kind of looks like it's made out of 
cosplay? Uh, yeah, but like bad cosplay. Oh. <laughs> um, so the not, not like, like maybe. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 silver because it's like covered in duct tape. Um, and uh, these these five humanoid figures are kind of like crouched around this fire. There's a crate on the far side of the fire. And you hear from the ether, the test at this point is to retrieve the package from the far side of the room and bring it back to the far wall of the room on your side. Good luck. How big is this fire? Um, it's about the size of a typical campfire. Okay. Oh, so it's like, this is like a, a, a abandoned center. Like, we've got to retrieve a box from abandoned camp. I okay. want to use press digitation to snuff out their campfire. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, a press digitation can snuff out a campfire, right? I still yep. have control flame, which can do the same, but okay. all right. Well, mine's a cantrip. Okay. Is yours right. a cantrip? Uh, control flame's a cantrip, oh, yeah. Then, yeah, either one of us. But it's my idea, so yeah, I'm doing it. we both it. do this. Actually, wait, wait, wait. How, what's the range of it? Because mine's only 60 feet. Oh, shoot. Mine's only 10 feet. Maybe yours is better. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to, from a distance, I'm going to control the fire and just douse that Okay, are you, okay, but you're, okay, so at this point you're like 120 feet away. You're going to need to sneak up to 60 feet away. Are we okay. all sneaking oh, but up we're together? In a, we're in a white, flat room. There's it's not dark. Really a way it's for very us to dark. Sneak up. Oh, okay, okay. You can just dark. move right. quietly. Yeah. No one's looking in your direction. Okay, then. Slowly and stealthily, I creep towards uh, 60 feet of the area. You don't get to that. just say that. This is Dungeons and Dragons. Fine. I roll stealth check. to get within 60 feet quietly. No, you don't say you roll. You say you do a thing, and but then see, you roll to thing. see if you he do it. He did say it. So roll a stealth check. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So roll. All right. Roll a stealth check. Let's see. What is my stealth? Oh, this is going to be bad. Let's see how this goes, guys. Nine. Um... <laughs> Okay, uh, you make you make it to about ninety feet out, um, and you do one of those things where you trip over your own feet <laughs> and you just you you fall, uh, and one of your horns like cracks against the floor, and you go make this big oof sound, and these robo bandits uh, stand up with a clanking noise and say. Oh, there is an intruder. We must attack the intruder. Attack, attack, attack. Whoops. And three of them start uh, running towards you, and two of them pull out... The, uh, they pull out their hands, and their hand kind of collapses down, and a hand crossbow emerges, uh, and they fire attacks at you. Uh, everybody roll initiative, please. It's a 13 for... Oh, I'm sorry, a 16 for rule. 16 My as well. dex is a plus three. That's that's gonna be a ten. Uh, so these robo bandits rolled absolutely awful in their initiative. Yay! It's funny that the two groups of robo bandits rolled the same number. They both rolled a five. Wait, two groups. Um, so you all go before they do. Uh, Darren, were you sneaking up alone? Was I? Yes, gentlemen. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, Jet and Ru- Jet and Brunel, you are at. Uh, you're you're 120 feet away. Darren, you are 90 feet away, and uh, these robo bandits are uh, starting to head in your direction. What do we all do? Um, Who's turn is it? I think Jet, you have the higher decks. 
Nope, you no Rudal uh, does. Rudal, you do your turn first. Alright, so Rudal is gonna run up next to Darren. Um, and because we weren't able to put out the fire, I'm just gonna go in the complete opposite direction, and I'm gonna cast Firebolt. Okay. Uh, who are you attacking? Uh, one of the robots. I, I, I guess know. that one. part. There's, there's three <laughs> that of them that are starting to head towards, uh... Darren with swords drawn, and there are two of them with hand crossbows. Uh, one of the sword ones. Okay. And that's a t- 21 to hit. Okay, that hits. Nice. And that is six points okay. of fire damage. All right. These things are metal, though, right? Like, they're, they're robots, so they're clearly metal, correct? Yes, they're metal, but they're not resistant to fire damage. These are simulation okay. robots. Uh, yes, that robot takes six points of damage. And I don't know if I said, but I am also next to Darren now. Okay, yes. All right, you move right. forward. Uh, excellent. Jet, what are we doing? Jet is going to... Um, can't turn big anymore, so he is just going to book it and trying to get to the box first. So he's going okay. to take his action to dash uh, so that he can, so he can move 30 feet with his movement and then an extra 30 feet if he dashes and then I will action surge to move an extra 30 feet so that way I move 90 feet in one turn and I am Excellent. that puts me at 30 uh, feet away okay. from the box. That puts you almost on par with the robots, the robo bandits that are um, starting to head towards Darren. Darren, it's your turn. And they're still 90 feet away, so none of them move before us. So... Well, then, I the obvious thing is to use the firebolt as a cantrip. That, that's... I hear, here. Yeah. Uh, just the obvious, obvious action. So, yeah, I roll to throw a firebolt at... Uh... Hit, hit the same one I did. Okay, so, yeah, I'm going to hit the one who's, who's kind of headed directly for us. And that is a... Yeah, that doesn't hit the AC. Um, and I don't think... Actually, wait a second. Wait a second. I cast... I use my meta magic, quicken quicken the spell, to cast a second spell as a bonus action. So, using that, I cast Firebolt again, and I rolled a 12. That 12 does hit the AC. Okay, then. It's just a 1d10. That is a nine. Nine fire damage. Okay, you hit the same guy that Runel hit? Yes. Uh, okay, he is looking, you know, decently messed up, but he's still standing. Oh, yikes, these things are mighty strong. I mean, you both cast uh, cantrips. Yeah, it's still, but like, we did damage. Because, uh, Runel, you did what, six damage, seven damage? Yeah, six. I think it was 34. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you've done 17 damage to this thing, and it is looking pretty pretty bad, but it's it's still standing. All right, it is now the automaton's turn. Uh, the two with the crossbows are going to make an attack against Darren, who was the first ones I saw. And 11 doesn't hit your armor class, right? Um, just and barely I'm guessing misses. a 7 really doesn't. Uh, the other no. three are going to uh, race towards, let's see here, two of them are going to race towards Darren. They're going to go 30 feet forward, and then they're going to use a dash action 
to come right up to Darren. That third one is going to jump 30 feet forward, and it's going... I didn't move. I'm oh, still 90 feet? back 90 so they, feet. So they dash 60 feet forward, and they, they don't attack you. They, they can't attack if they dash, but they, they dash 60 feet forward towards you. One of them dashes 30 feet forward yeah. and attacks Jet. Jet, does a 15 hit your armor class? All right. You take... Seven points of damage. All right, he he cuts you like right across the shoulder. Yep. We're back to the top of the order. It is now Runel's turn. Uh, Runel okay. is going to cast Scorching at. Ray at the. So you said there's three, three with swords, swords coming and at one us. One of them has been hit pretty hard. Okay, I'm going to cast one. Okay, ray make on three attack rolls. Okay, so the first one is going to be a oh, critical Ooh, hit. Okay. And this is the one all the way to the and left. I, I know it's right. not official, but I do allow for spell crits. So that is still going to be double damage. Nice. Yay. Yeah, so that's going to be... Uh, yeah, so that that's 13 fire damage. Okay, and that's the one left. that hasn't nice. taken at all? Yeah, correct. I, I'm assuming. I'm, I, I assume the one that we've been uh, hitting yeah, is the one hit, in the middle. He gets hit hard. The one in the middle who has taken damage before. Uh, uh, that's that a 24. Is. And he's going to take nine he points goes of fire damage. Down. Uh, you hit him in his robot neck, and his robot bandit head falls and clatters to the ground. And the guy on the right, I roll for uh, 16 to hit. And he's going to take they 10 points of fire damage. Right. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you killed one seriously wounded too. Uh, that that third one is the one that's in front of Jet. So he's not... The range on Scorching Ray is 90 feet? How long is it? 100 feet? Uh, it's 120 okay, feet, go. but I'm... Uh, I was 90 feet away, and seeing how well I uh, took both of them out, I'm also going to move my, my okay, speed there we go. 30 feet. How far are they away from us, actually? Two of them are 30 feet from us. Two of them are 90 feet from us. And one of them is 60 feet from us, but in contact. Okay, then I'm actually not going to I'm not gonna move, because I'm okay, just going to put me the melee range. Okay, Jet, what are we doing? Is there one robot still in front of me? There is a robot still in front of you. And I will take the opportunity attack and uh, go my movement to get out of its range and then dash. Okay. And he crits. Ah. So he does 11 points of slashing damage to you. Okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah. If you if you just take the damage, you keep running. And then I use my bonus action to second win just to keep myself going. And that and I heal for eh, only five. Five hit okay. points, so that puts me in a okay state, and now I'm. Uh, oh yeah, I'm. If I didn't say, I pick up the box. Oh yes, yes, you pick up the box. Okay, I'm 30 feet away from the box. I've got a guy on me. I use my movement to to get away from him. He hits me. Ow! I go and I go run 30 feet to grab it, and then dash to go. Uh, basically, retrace my steps. So now I'm uh, at level with that robot. And I use second wind as my bonus action. Good? Okay, there we go. Darren, what are we doing? 
Is the one that's fighting Jet the one that me and Brunel burned? No, I took that okay, one Okay, but that was one yes. of the ones that rushed one, two us, Two of the right? three that rushed you are still alive. They've both okay. been wounded pretty bad. I'm going to use Guiding Bolt. Nice. To hit the one that is, uh, like, direct, that's, like, rushing us. I'm going to cast as a second level spell to add an extra 1d6. But I'm going to roll first to see how well this goes. Uh, that was a nat one. Um, so that just fails abysmally. I do not hit. You can describe how, how that goes horribly wrong. Yeah, you, you go to cast Guiding Bolt, uh, and all you manage to do is cast Light accidentally. I don't know if you can, I don't care if you know the spell or not, uh, but you cast Light on your hand, and it just starts glowing uh, in the middle of this dark room, so you actually just highlighted yourself. It is now the robot's turn. Uh, the two of the crossbows are going to shoot at Jet with the box. Does a 15 hit your armor class? Yes, it does. So that's... Four damage, yeah. Okay. So one of them hits you for four damage, the other one misses. And then... So now the two robots... Uh, the two robo-bandits that are in melee range. One rushes forward and attacks you with its long sword, Darren. A 10 does not hit your armor class. And Jet... No, it does not. Oh, man, they are rolling so well against Jet. A dirty 20 does hit your armor class, yes? Yes, but I'm going to activate my cloud rune to, to redirect the attack roll to the weakest-looking robo But does it have to be in melee range? So if, if there's a robot within 30 feet of me, um, then I can, whatever is trying to hit me, I redirect that attack roll to that guy who's in 30 feet. And then they get hit with that attack with that same attack roll. Okay, your cloud rune activates and a burst of magical wind happens. And this, this robot uh, swings a sword and, and somehow it comes out of its hand, which is weird because it's like attached to its hand. And the <laughs> sword comes out and goes striking at uh, at its compatriot for three damage, and uh, its compatriot is is looking even more hurt, and it kind of looks confused in its robot sort of way, looking over like, man, how did that sword get there? All right, it is now back to the top of the order. We're dealing with Runel. There's how many? They're both so are at this still point, rushing us. There is one that is in melee range of Darren, one that is in melee range of Jet, and two that are in the back that are shooting at us. So there's five yes. in total, and you've killed one of them already. Great. Um, the one that's in melee range of Jet, because he has the package. Mm. I'm gonna cast okay. magic missile. Um, and I'm actually well. So if I, I guess they all all the missiles come out of my wand at the same time, right? So I can't wait to see if one of them dies to redirect it to the other one. Yeah, no, you're going to have to divide them up as is. And it does, what, 1d4 plus 1 damage? Correct. Okay, yeah, you, you're not certain how many it would take to kill this guy. Alright, then let's do... Uh, I'm going to cast it as a second level so I get four missiles. And let's do two at Jet's okay. guy and two at Darren's guy. Yes. Yep. Well, the first one is a two. That's to... Um, <coughs> well, so that's, we'll do Darren's first. 
just because That's two GM. and... Up and end of five. So the first one takes seven points of uh, force damage. All right, he goes down. He goes down. Uh, you hit him directly in the head with these two bolts right in his little robot eyes and boom. He goes over backwards and does not get out. I was just learning to love. <laughs> <laughs> My robo-wife and robo-children. Oh, no. Um, so then the second one is going to take... Uh, first one does three damage and four damage. So seven points oh, of force damage. He's looking so, so messed up. So messed up, but he is still standing. Cool. Well, that is, uh, I will move my 30 feet, so I will be 60 feet from the range, okay. boys. All right, now we're talking jet. Okay, so is there, are there anybody still trying to attack me that's in front of my face? There is still one guy directly in front of you. He is looking super weak, though. Okay, so jet is, jet is just kind of, it's just had enough of this, so he's going to <clears throat> jump on this, on this robot's head and enchant and jump. Uses bare strength to rip its head, its robot head off, as an unarmed strike. Okay, make an attack roll. Oh man, that the jet is so confident. He's like, "This is still gonna work," and he just goes, eek! and it doesn't move at all because that was a natural one. Yeah, you go to grab this Ooh. robot's head, and it's it's pretty dark in here. You got none of you have dark vision. All your you're fighting in the flickering light of a fairly distant fire at this point. You go to grab his head, and you grab the air, and you yank the air really, really hard, and uh, you end up doing just kind of this like pirouette, half backward somersault thing, uh, where nothing ends up happening because you just grab the thing. Well, hang on. Roll, roll for damage on the air. <laughs> yeah, you know, go ahead. Roll for damage on the air. <laughs> okay, that's a 1d8. It's a, uh, five. Yeah, the yeah, the, the air... <laughs> the, the air is bloody. The air is not happy with you, but it's still standing. Uh, let's hear. Let's go okay, ahead, so, Darren. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Then I'm... That was my... My action was to, was to attack. I totally missed, but anyway, I'm still gonna run... Use my movement to run 30 feet away up in the opposite direction of the fire. Okay, you do take an opportunity to attack. Sure. He rolls a seven, so he doesn't hit you. But the air does take another six damage. <laughs> is what's his name holding? Is what's his name yes. holding the box still? Should there be a, a roll of like if he gets hit? Ah, uh, no. The, the, the robot hit? was not aiming at or the box. Okay. Whose side are <laughs> yeah. you on? I'm teacher. Just... Teacher, you forgot to assign <laughs> homework. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my turn. Um. I'm gonna try and hit one of those uh, glowy dudes. One of the, not glowy dudes. One of the dudes in the back who uh, has been shooting at us constantly. I'm going to try guiding bolt again. Um, wow, luck is not on my side. That's a yeah, that seven. does not hit. Your other hand starts glowing. You know, have two glowing hands. Uh. You're just glowing. They're they're looking at you. They're gonna have advantage when they start shooting their arrows at you. Now. Uh, I'm literally down two of my three second level spell slots and I have done absolutely nothing. Yeah, that does really stink, doesn't it? Okay. Uh, yeah, it is now their turn. So, 
Uh, the one that was next to you, Jet, is going to rush forward 30 feet and it's going to attack you. Does an 11 hit your armor class? Nope. Uh, and the two in the back are going to shoot arrows at Jet. Man, it doesn't get any more disparate than that. One rolled a natural one and the other rolled a natural 20. Ouch. I don't think, besides Jet, any of us have gotten hit. Well, Jet's the one with the box. I don't know much about football. But usually the guy getting tackled is the one with, is the, one with the Jet, ball. you take eight points of piercing damage. Okay. Yeah, so at this point, we are back to the top of the order with Runel. All right, Rudel, Rudel's going to cast Magic Missile as a second level again. Uh, this time he's going to... Well, first... No, I'll stay where I am. I like where I am. 60 feet from the, uh, the ranged guys. I'm going to cast one Magic Missile at the, uh, the melee boy for three force damage. Yeah, the moment you decided to cast a Magic Missile at him, he was dead. He had one HP left. That's beautiful. Yeah, you, you hit him just straight in the torso. It knocks him back. It sends him flying a lot further than it seems like it should have for a robot of his weight. Uh, but he is down. And at this point, you have the magic the rest I have, of the magic missile. I got, yep, three three bolts that are heading directly for the ranged robot okay. on the right. Ne- neither one no, of them have taken damage, correct? Yeah, so all three go to the one on the right. So that's uh, two... Three and three, so eight points of. Oh uh, yeah, you plonk him directly center of mass, and he rocks back a little bit, but he is still standing. Okay, Darren, what are we up to? All right, we're gonna do this with a different die this time, but one more time. First level guiding bolt at the one that Darren at that Runel okay. didn't just hit. That's another one. I have just lit up like a Christmas tree right now. Yeah, at, at this point, at this point. There is, um, like a light glowing, but you're just glowing all over the place at this point. You are basically casting light on yourself as a first level, as a cantrip over and over again. Um, no, this is, I'm, I'm wasting spell slots on this. Yeah, you are. I've been. Uh, yeah. Okay. Jet. Okay. Um, is there, are there any robots in my melee range? No, there are not. How far am I from, uh, where we started? How far? Uh, you are about 90 feet. Oh, okay. Um, then I will, I don't have any, I assume I don't have any, uh, tools or anything, because that kind of got lost in the, uh, uh, universe ending. So, um, I'm going to be boring and just, um, dash and then move 60 feet. Why, you don't have tool, what tools? I thought I, I, um, I, I had like thieves, thieves tools and some cooking tools and stuff. If you had anything in your pack, I'm just gonna assume that you guys have like, in D, typical D and D rules, you basically carry your packs everywhere, even if it doesn't make sense to not have packs. You just have everything that would still be in your pack. So you still have thieves tools and all that sort of thing. Okay, we, could I argue I still have a uh, 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 makeshift improvised hand axe? Um, did you have one in? Yeah. Did you have I mean, one when you started? Basically. Yeah, sure. Okay, you have an improvised hand axe. Okay, so I I chuck a hand axe at the weakest looking robot and then and then I use my movement to run thirty feet. Okay, alright, make an attack roll. That's right, because you had a meet. Uh it's twenty one. Yeah, that hits. 
for four slashing damage. Uh, okay. Uh, you hit the wounded one, and he looks super wounded. Uh, yeah, your your meat cleaver knocks off a lot of his cardboard armor. Um, and you can see a few wires protruding underneath it. Is it? Um, and then you move 30 feet, and then it is the robot's turn. They're going to shoot, uh, at this point, they're going to shoot at the giant ball of light that is Darren. Does a 17 hit your armor class? Well, then a 19 yep. definitely does. Yep. You take... Uh, between the two of them, you take 10 piercing damage. Oof. There's a third of my health pretty much gone. All right. Uh, it is back to the top of the order with Runel. All right. Runel is going to cast... Um, yeah, he's been, he's been doing pretty good with the with the magic missile today. Um, do we know how many of these levels you there know. are going to be? All right. Maybe I should save a spell slot then. Uh-huh. Because I have one left. Um, we're going to cast a uh, firebolt at the one that's already taken okay. damage. And that is a 16 to hit. That hits. And he's going to take 10 points of fire damage. He goes down with a burning crater in the middle of his chest. His cardboard armor burns up. Burn, burn. All right, Jet, it is your turn. Okay, uh, Jet, if Jet should be 60 feet away from uh, the way out, right? Yes. So he's... So he's going to use his action to dash to go 60 feet to get to the end with the box. All right, you touch the box to the far wall. Immediately, the lights come back on. Uh, the robots pick themselves up off the ground, trundle back to the far side of the room, enter into a hidden door over there, which closes behind them, and the fire dissolves back into the floor, and you hear, well done, you have completed the third and final test. You have been judged for your merits and will be cleared to send on assignment. Well done. Hooray! Yay. I'm not bloodied and beaten after that. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, the, do- the door opens behind you, and uh, the professor pokes his head in and goes, Oh, well done. Well done. I am uh, I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased. Oh, we'll, we'll get you... We'll get you working tomorrow. Oh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. I uh, I have a good feel for your capabilities at this point, uh, both in combat and in uh, problem solving. Uh, and I will uh, I will make sure not to send you out on any missions of absolutely certain death. Great. So you know that there are missions that are absolutely what? certain death. Oh, there's always missions that are absolutely certain death. Okay, then. We'll build up to those. Uh, in in any event, you have completed the tests, and uh, I will allow you to uh, return to your room and uh, rest up after a very trying ordeal, and, uh, ah, oh, and, and, and as part of completing the tests, I, I gave you not just a great meal, but there's a delicious chocolate cake in your, uh, in your rooms. Truthfully, Jet, Jet, just like after everything he's been through, Jet, this guy looks at him with steely eyes and 
whispers to his friend to to his friends, "Don't believe him. The cake, it's not true." <laughs> oh well, you'll just have to try it and find out. Anyway, have a good night's sleep and rest up. I'm going to send you out tomorrow. All right, that's where we're under episode seven. Thanks, guys, for being great players. Thanks, listeners, for being great listeners. And once again, thanks to my wife for letting me play Dungeons and Dragons as a hobby. You guys are all fantastic. The following tracks were used with the permission of a free license through Incompetech Film Music. All music was composed by Kevin McLeod. Here are the titles in order of appearance. Second Coming Second Coming Instrumental Mana 2 Part 2 Finding the Balance 8-Bit Dungeon Level Vulcan Junkyard Tribe and Attack of the Mole Men Thank you, Kevin McLeod. Your stuff has been fantastic.